able to come here without a coat this morning. That was pretty exciting. Uh, looks like the weather is getting cleared up a little bit on, uh, on Saturday. Hopefully we will have little to no rain and it's supposed to get up to 69 on uh, Saturday the 1st, that uh, morning that we're going to have uh, the uh, Easter Berlin. So hopefully you guys can make it for that. Um, before we get started, I wanted to just take a moment to thank everybody for their cards and for their well wishes and emails and calls. Um, as most of you heard last week, my uh, brother uh, passed away suddenly. Um, we really don't know exactly what happened. Uh, we were not able to have a funeral service this week. Um, when they were preparing him, uh, they apparently found some accelerated uh, stuff going on in his body where they needed to take care of him right away. Uh, so we will be having uh, memorial service later. I was able to gather with family this week and it was nice to uh, to be able to just remember him a little bit. If you could uh, keep my sister Susie in your prayers. Uh, they were uh, fraternal twins and I don't know if you know about twins or not, but uh, a lot of times uh, they, there is a real kind of connection there and she's really taking it hard. So if you just keep her in your prayers, I'd appreciate it. But thank you so much uh, for all of your support. Um, and I was so excited to be able to be here on Friday night, though, with the uh, with the spaghetti auction. I want to thank uh, Steve for uh, trying to bid up the bacon uh, basket as much as he did. Um, I would have gone higher, but something kept me from uh, raising my hand again. I don't know if anybody saw the attack on your pastor on Friday night, but... Uh, but yeah, so it was, it was really nice, um, and I appreciate all of the help that everybody gave, all of the, uh, the donations, and of course the youth and Becky. Uh, just thank you so much for all of that. This morning, we are closing out a sermon series that we started back in January called The Winter of Our Contentment. Um, no, sorry, it's not winter any longer. So as Wendy tells me, it's now the spring of our contentment. But we are still uh, talking about the book of Philippians and really what Paul is writing about in the book of Philippians is ultimate contentment. And we've read along as the Apostle Paul crafted this letter to the church in Philippi. Uh, that was the first church that he had uh, established in Europe uh, so he was kind of the first to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth, so to speak. And, uh, and Jesus had told us to carry the gospel to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And Europe was kind of the ends of the earth. He was moving towards Rome, which was the center of the empire. And we learned that Paul established this church with a woman named Lydia, Christian woman who he met uh, by the riverside. Uh, outside of the city of Philippi because uh, Christians weren't allowed to worship inside the city. Uh, the only person that you could worship inside the city was the emperor of Rome. So they met outside the city. They uh, established a church in her home and of course a very kind of clandestine thing. They had to kind of meet a little bit in secret. And the Philippian church had sent Paul a monetary gift to support him while he was in prison. And Paul wrote this letter uh, partially to thank them for the gift. And he opens and closes the letter with that thanks. But more importantly, Paul wrote this letter 
to give encouragement to the church because they had been experiencing some persecution. They had been experiencing some dangers that were associated with worshiping God in a place where they thought you should worship the emperor as God. And he was sending them encouragement. He was telling them to to stay together, to remain united in mind and in spirit. And Paul calls for this church unity and this life of humility within the church. And he encourages the church to have the same mind as Jesus Christ. And only through having that mind will they be able to thrive as a church. And he warns against grumbling and disputing. And he talks about these things that can tear the church apart from the inside um, and invalidate the message, really, that the church might want to spread as it goes outside. If there's all of this infighting inside the church, whether you believe it or not, those things are going to be seen by the outside world. And those things are going to cause the outside world to think that your message is not worth hearing. And he instructs the Philippians, and we saw this last week, to fill their minds with whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there be any excellence, if there be anything worthy of praise, to think about these things. And this morning, we're going to read the last passages of the book of Philippians. We're in chapter 4. We're going to be starting in verse 10. If you want to read along in your Bible or on your Bible app, I'll have the uh, verses up on the screen as well if you'd like to read there. But I do encourage you sometimes, uh, if you uh, think about it, bring your Bibles to church. I know that sounds like a really weird thing to say, but a lot of times people aren't bringing their Bibles to church anymore. Uh, if you have a Bible app, that's great. You can use that. I know the new generation is more inclined to look up the Bible on their phones, and I've seen that happen. It's a great thing. But please, bring your Bibles to church. Read your Bibles during the week. And mark these passages sometimes that we talk about. But we're in Philippians chapter 4, verses, uh, starting in verse 10. And Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. For you indeed were concerned for me, but had no opportunity. And what Paul's talking about here simply is that the, the Philippian church has known, they have followed Paul's ministry. Uh, because when Paul wrote letters, a lot of times he wrote them to specific churches, but then they would get circulated around to other churches. So the Philippians would have known about Corinth, and they would have known about Ephesus, and they would have known about all of these other churches that Paul has uh, established and the things that are going on. So they would know that Paul, at some point, found himself in trouble with the Roman law, and he's in prison now. And it wasn't until this time that they were able to provide their support. And that's what Paul is talking about here. But he makes a very important point to the Philippian church. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Notice that Paul had to learn. He said, I have learned the secret. I have learned 
to be content. And remember, earlier, Paul had talked about abundance. He had talked about having everything. His life, from the world's perspective, was perfect. He said that he was circumcised on the eighth day. He was of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law of Pharisee, Pharisee was the highest level of law in that society. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. And we have to remember that the apostle Paul started out as the Pharisee Saul. And he was a Pharisee whose primary mission, the reason that he had for existing at that point in his life was to destroy the followers of Jesus Christ. Because when he was a Pharisee, Christianity had just started. And the Pharisees believed that if they could squash this teaching immediately, that that would be the end of it. And Paul made it his life mission to destroy Christianity until he met Jesus Christ. And when Paul met Jesus Christ, his whole life changed. He changed his name. He became Paul, and he began preaching the gospel just like those Christians that he had imprisoned, just like those Christians that he had flogged, just like those Christians that he had killed. Paul was now one of these people, and of course, that meant facing all of those dangers. But if you think about it, when Paul started persecuting the church, and the Bible calls it a great persecution, when Paul started persecuting the church, it moved the church it literally moved the church out of Jerusalem. And it moved it into the areas of Judea and Samaria, these places where Jesus told the church to go. And we don't know how long it was from the time that the great persecution started. We know it started with the stoning of a man named Stephen. He was killed for his faith. And we know that that's when it started. We're not sure how long the church had been going. It wasn't very long. But we do know that everybody started to scatter. And you farmers and people who have dandelions know <laughs> that when the seeds start to scatter, right, it starts blooms all over the place. We always got so frustrated in our old house because we'd do all of the weed killers and we'd do all of this stuff and then other people's dandelions would just fly into our yard. We could never fight it. And it was the same way with the church. No matter how much they fought, no matter how much they tried to squash the church, those seeds just kept going and kept going and kept going. And we find, as we read in the book of Acts, that God used Saul, and he used this persecution, and he used all of these things to spread that seed. And when we think about God's plan, you ever think about God's plan? What's God's plan? And usually we think of it in terms of what's God's plan for me. But when we think about God's ultimate plan for the world, 
How often do we think that it's sometimes the bad things that happen that help God to carry out his plan? We don't, we don't think in those ways very much, but that's part of what Paul is writing about here. Paul said he has gone through some really bad times since he became a Christian and started, and started spreading the word of God. And in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 to 27, he tells us just how bad a time that he has had. Five times I have received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. He's been flogged five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from the false brothers, danger everywhere. There was nobody that was not after Paul. In toil and hardships, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. This is what Paul is talking about in this letter to the Philippians. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. And we just saw the circumstances in every and any circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And what is Paul's conclusion? What is Paul's ultimate conclusion to the Philippians after he tells them that he knows the secret? Well, he tells them the secret. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Anybody ever heard this verse before? <laughs> no, nobody's ever heard this verse. This is one of the most popular life verses that people will quote if they say, well, what's your life verse? Oh, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And you know what? It's a good life verse to have. It's something that's really worth remembering. But I always notice that it's the people who are having the bad times, the people whose lives are hard when they're living this Christian life that come up with this verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's these times of struggle or trouble. And it's easy. This is a great verse to remember when our lives are difficult. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I've probably read or heard this verse hundreds of times, this whole passage, hundreds of times. And I've always associated it with those people the people that are having a difficult time, the people, and, and, and I know Christians who just, everything seems to go wrong for them. And, and we talk, and, and the, the one thing they always tell me is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And they look for that strength when things are going poorly. And really, they need that strength when things are going poorly. But have you ever noticed the whole passage this whole idea that Paul starts in verse 12, he says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in every and every, any and every circumstance. I know how to abound. 
Wasn't it easy to abound? How many of you have abounded before? I have abounded, right? And, and it's pretty easy to be aboundful. It really is. But what Paul is saying here is I know how to abound because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul says, I know how to have nothing in faith. But he had to learn how to abound and still have faith. See, we get this one part, so we get this one side really good. Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19 says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. And we know no matter how bad things get, the Lord will be my strength. But what about when things are good? And I want you to think about this really, really hard because I have to think about this. Is the Lord your strength when things are going really good? How often do we think about God and his provision and his care when things are going really, really well? Paul's saying, I need God to strengthen my faith when I'm weak. And I equally need God to strengthen my faith when I am doing well. And if I had to guess... I'd say very few of us think of needing God to strengthen us when things are going well, right? We feel that we are strong. We have plenty. We're abounding. And this may sound strange to you, and some of you may disagree with this, but I wonder if we need God's strength more when we are facing abundance. Do we need God's strength more when we are facing good times? We've all learned to turn to God in times of need. How many of us have learned to turn to God in times of abundance? How often are we tempted to celebrate our own abilities and our own strength when things are going well? Oh, I am so happy. I got, I got this promotion at work. I got an A on the final exam. I made an extra $50,000 doing whatever it is that I did to earn $50,000. I did. Have you ever used that language? I did this. We take pride in our accomplishments. We take pride in our success. And it's okay to celebrate accomplishments. It's okay to celebrate success, to be happy with what you've done, be happy with where you are in life. Except as Christians, we should know that without Christ, we are nothing. Our accomplishments, our successes are nothing without Christ. 
When God was giving the people of Israel their final instructions before he was ready to prosper them, before he was ready to let them go into the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the desert, God said this in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 to 18. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. And he ends with this, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. How easy is it to forget the Lord our God when things are going well? Jesus told his disciples it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter heaven. Because the rich man forgets where he gets his power to gain wealth from. We get it from the Lord. And this is what Paul is saying to the Philippians in this closing lines of his letter. It is just as important, maybe it is more important, for me to rely on God's strength for my faith when things are going well as it is when they are going poorly. We are people of great faith when things are going poorly. And we will pray and we will cry out to God and we will read scripture. We will come to church right after uh, 9-11. Churches were absolutely filled. They were packed with people because things weren't going very well. After COVID, when churches finally started to open up, people who had never stepped foot in a church before started coming to church because things weren't going well. Where were they five years after 9-11? Where are they three years after COVID? They've started relying on their own strength again instead of relying on the strength of God. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus uses a parable about a sower going out to sow some seed. And he said that some seed fell along the path and some fell on some rocks and some fell among thorns and some fell on good soil. And of course, the people listening had no idea what he was talking about. So he had to just explain himself to his disciples later. And in Matthew 13, 22, Jesus explains the thorns. And that's where I want to focus right now. 
As for what was sown among the thorns, this is what it means. This is what I mean when I say this. This is the person who hears the word of God, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. The word of God, the truth of the gospel, we receive it. But we've got thorns. We've got the deceitfulness of riches. And riches can be really, really deceitful. Riches can deceive us away from faith in God. Jesus told the rich young ruler, sell all you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. He said no to the word of God. He said no to Jesus Christ because of his wealth. His, his riches deceived him into thinking he could do it on his own. And when we have things are going well, we have things that we're accomplishing, we forget that it is God who provides everything. He provides our talents. He provides our abilities. He provides our riches. He provides our homes. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we need to go all the way back and just remember that we're not breathing without God's power. And if we can remember that, as we move forward, we can remember if I'm not breathing, I'm not succeeding. If I'm not breathing, I'm not gaining anything. If I'm not breathing, I'm not living. And it's God that's giving me that breath. This is what Paul means when he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Not just I can get through the bad times. But probably more crucially for a lot of Christians, I can get through the good times and keep my faith and remember who it is that is provided for me. And when we remember who it is that provides for us, then our next step is why. Why, God, did you provide this for me? Why did you provide these riches? Why did you provide this house? Why did you provide my talents and my abilities? And we can pray, God, Use what you have given me. Help me to use what you have given me to minister to others. Don't let me think about this as my stuff or my talent or my ability. How do you want me to use it to build your kingdom? Because God is all about resources. And we are his we are his resources and the things that he provides to us are the things that he wants us to use to further his kingdom. And that looks different for every single person. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be content in any situation. 
God wants me to give away the $50,000 retirement account I have so that he can further his kingdom, I'm content. God wants me to sell my house, move to another country, become a missionary, I'm content. God wants me to sell my business, do something else, I'm content. That's what God calls us to. What Paul writes about contentment, he's really writing about constancy. Remaining constantly faithful to God in every circumstance. Being so totally focused on Jesus Christ that we're not going to let anything allow us to drop that focus. Sometimes I think of Jesus as a lighthouse, and sometimes we see those like, you know, inspirational posters, Jesus is your lighthouse, and it's the lighthouse on top of the hill. But sometimes I really think about that. You know what a lighthouse is for, right? A lighthouse guides us to the harbor. The lighthouse tells us where we're supposed to go. And the thing is, it doesn't matter if the skies are clear and the stars and the moon are out and the sea is as calm as glass. That lighthouse is telling us which way to go. And it doesn't matter if the seas are crashing over our boat and threatening to topple us and the winds are blowing and everything is breaking apart. That lighthouse tells us where to go. If we focus on Jesus Christ as the light, showing us the way to the Father, and we can be content no matter what happens, no matter what God asks of us. Because we know that God is working His perfect will and He is building His kingdom using His resources. I want to encourage you to look to Jesus Christ. I know how challenging it can be in the busyness of life. When things are going well, when we're trying to excel, when we're trying to succeed, it's difficult sometimes to keep our focus on Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to do it. I know you're probably going to focus on him when things are not going well. Keep that focus. Keep your eyes on that light when things are prospering. And remember whose you are and why you are here. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for all of the things that are happening here at Morning Hour Chapel, the youth spaghetti dinner and the auction. Father, we thank you for the, the wonderful support that we saw there. Uh, 
And Father, it's so easy to focus on the money. It's so easy to focus on the success of, of having a hundred people in the room. But Father, help us to focus on what it is that you want us to do with the money. Help us to focus on who it is you want us to minister to that was in the room that night. Help us to build your kingdom. Let us keep focus on your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you so much for the talents and the abilities and the prosperity that you've given to some of us. And Father, we ask that you would help us to keep our focus on Jesus Christ. Help us to remember that we rely on you for our very breath. And that everything that we are, everything that we have comes from you. And Father, rebuke us when we try to hold on to it for ourselves. Let everything we have and let everything that we are be an offering to you because it's all yours in the first place. Father, we just thank you that you are present with us here this morning. We thank you that you live with us in your Holy Spirit as we leave this place. We thank you that we live and move and have our being only through your power. And we praise you in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. I pray as we leave this place that we can remember that every breath that we take comes to us from the power of God. That everything that we are, everything that we have, is nothing but a resource to build his kingdom. And I pray that you will have many opportunities to minister to others in your work, your schools, in your retirement communities, wherever you are. I pray that you will help them to know that God has given you everything. God bless you.